Um, and I appreciate you bearing with me. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 16. Tonight we're going to talk about according to plan. According to plan. How many of you like it when things go according to plan? On the flip side of that, how many of you like it when things don't go according to plan? <laughs> we like plans because they help us see the future. Plans help us see the future. Plans, in essence, what you do when you make a plan is you are painting a picture of what you want to see. <clears throat> plans contain goals. Plans contain objectives. Plans contain assignments and tasks. And all these things help us paint a picture of what we want to see. I'll tell you right now, if you don't have a picture of where you want to go, then you don't know where you're going. And God did not create us to be beings on this earth that just wandered around aimlessly with no goal in mind, no plan in sight, no idea of where we're going or how to get there. God created us with a plan and with a purpose. God is a planner. God is a planner. How many of you are excited that God's a planner? He didn't just create this thing out of nothing like a lot of science wants to tell you. You're not just here just trying to figure things out, but God is a planner, <clears throat> which means that he has placed you here purposefully. If you're placed here purposefully, then you're not placed here accidentally. That should be encouraging to someone. There's plenty of moments we can get in in life where we feel like things are an accident or we're an accident. But God has done things on purpose. I'm going to read some verses just to set this up. They're actually going to be in the New Living uh, and the Amplified. And they're going to kind of set things up for us. I want you to see these verses. Um, they're going to kind of set up where we're going. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything. Say everything. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. The Amplified reads it this way. The plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man, but from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. Look at that. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. The Lord has made everything to accommodate itself and contribute to its own end and his own purpose. Even the wicked are fitted for their role for the day of calamity and evil. Go over a few chapters. Proverbs chapter 19. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 19. Verse 21. This is a popular one we've seen before. The New Living says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. The Amplified reads, Many plans are in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. Many plans are in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purpose for him 
that will stand. Psalms 33, verse 11. Psalms 33, verse 11 in the New Living says, But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. That means they're not shaken. His intentions can never be shaken. They cannot be moved. He doesn't change his mind. Okay? The Lord's plans stand firm forever. And lastly, Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10 in the New Living read this way. But remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. So we see, you know, through these verses, we see a setup here that God is a planner. God is purposeful. God has plans. God places his plans above anything else. God places his plans above anything else. God places his plans above our plans. We saw in, in Proverbs that many are the, uh, the plans in a man's mind, but it's his purpose that prevails. The plan that he has essentially trumps, overrides our plans. So it would be in our best interest to line up our plan with his plan. God has good plans. We know Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 you know, tells us that God uh, has a good plan for us, for good and not for evil, to give us a hope and to give us a future. Amen. So we know this, that when we side with God's plans, we're not headed for destruction. We're not headed for evil. We're not headed for something that's going to hurt us. We're headed for something that's going to set us up. We're, we're headed for something that's going to pull out, draw on the greatness that he's placed Inside of us. <clears throat> now, the world loves this word called success. Success. And successful people in the world, they have plans. Uh, many people uh, that are successful with money, they go to someone that they call a financial planner. Someone that helps them plan out what they're going to do with their finances. Why? Because you're the most successful when you have a plan. Success doesn't come by accident. Success comes to people that are purposeful. Success comes to people that plan things out. And in the world, we see that this is true. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom, success looks different than it does in the world. Would you agree with that? In the kingdom, success looks different. In the kingdom, success is simply just obeying God's word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God is speaking to Joshua, and he says this, Attend your ear to my commands, meditate on my word day and night, observe to do all that is written therein, then you will make your way, what? Prosperous and be in success. Be successful. God's plan of success is obedience to his purpose is obedience to the plan that he lays out for us. So, our number one priority in life should be to make his plans our number one priority in life. 
That might be confusing, so I'll say it again. Our number one priority in life should be to make his plans, his purpose, our number one priority in life. Simply what that means is, is when you prioritize things, you show the value of each role in your life. When I prioritize something, say, uh, priorities come because you have options, okay? You don't have to do a whole lot of prioritizing if you only have one thing in front of you. But if you've got three hours in your day and you can, number one, go eat some chicken wings with a buddy of yours. Number two, you can spend time with family. Or number three, you can... Just mind your own business and keep to yourself. Well, what you do with that determines your priority. Determines the priority. Determines where I value these things. Our values are determined by our priorities. What I value is determined by what I spend time doing. I can look at each of your lives and I can see what you value in life based upon what you spend time doing. There are some people that value work. And so they spend overtime at work. They go in early. They stay late. That's a priority. You may say, well, I hate working. Well, you value something. You value the product of your work, maybe the paycheck or the dollar. Okay? Some of you spend a lot of time with your families, and you'll choose not to go out and maybe do some social things that other people may do. Everyone's going to see a movie. No, I'm just going to stay home with my kids tonight. It's because you value your kids. Now, that doesn't mean you devalue. If you take a moment to go to a movie with friends, that doesn't mean you devalue your family, okay? It's not that strict. But over time, you can look at people's lives. You can take a look, and you can see a big picture of where you spend your time. If you spend no time with your family, it's very difficult for me to say that you value your family. Okay? That's just bottom line. So values aren't determined by what we say. Values are determined by what we do. And our priorities are what help us keep our values in line. When you prioritize your life, when you prioritize something in your life, you're revealing this is what I value and this is how I make sure I spend time doing that. Because, see, we might say we value our lives, but if we don't set a priority uh, you know, we might say that we value our family in our lives. But if we don't spend time with our family, if we don't make it a priority, what we say and what we do are two different things. But when I go ahead and I set ahead of time, this is a priority for me. I am prioritizing my family. Nothing's coming in between this time right now. Then I'm going to do everything Why? Because I took the initiative to set a priority. Well, God has told us to set priorities. Number one, God has a priority. God has a priority for his purpose, not our purpose. God is not obligated to meet your need when you're outside of his purpose. Now, God does operate by mercy. God does have some mercy. There's times that he'll come in and he'll help us and he'll come to our aid even though we didn't make that full priority. But in essence, our number one goal in life should be to line up our lives with his will. And when we do that, then we see the provision show. We, uh, you know, you just heard a message this past week, vision provision. What's that mean? 
I get a hold of God's vision for my life, then he will provide for it. God is obligated to provide for the, for the vision he gives you, not for the vision you give yourself. In essence, God is doing his thing, not our thing. God is doing his thing, not our thing. And so we've got to discover how to make his purpose a priority in our lives. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. There's a man that came to this earth named Jesus that did exactly what we're looking at tonight, made a priority of his father's will. Luke chapter 4, 42 tells us that he departed and went to a deserted place, and crowds came. They sought after him. And verse 43 says, but he said to them, the crowds, the people that he's ministering to. See, some of us think about Jesus as he just loved being around people and, and would just hang out with people all the time. But this tells us, he says, I must preach the kingdom of God, to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. Until you know God's purpose, you can't make it a priority. Until we know God's purpose, I can't make his plans a priority. If I don't know his purpose for my life and why I'm here, how in the world am I going to prioritize his plans? But Jesus set himself to do what we said. Our number one goal, number one in priority in life, should be to make his plans our number one priority. Jesus did this. John tells us, John chapter 5, John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is Righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus says, I don't even seek my own will. You can't seek your will and God's will. It's one or the other. You can't seek your will, so you have to die to one to accept the other. And Jesus says, I don't even seek my own will. Now, just the fact that he makes that statement tells us that he had a will. See, sometimes we think about Jesus as he was just like a robot, just going about doing what God wanted to do and healing people and ministering and doing all this stuff. But there's many times that we see in Jesus' life that he did things that even fleshly he didn't want to do. He ministered to a Samaritan woman when he had no interest of ministering. He's hungry. He's thirsty. All he's thinking about is sending his disciples into town, get them some food. He's sitting down trying to draw some water. And he asked the woman, hey, I want some water. And it started a conversation. Jesus had to move out of his will into his father's will, which set an entire town free, set the woman free, prophesied to the woman, showed her her life and said, hey, you need living water. Amen. Jesus operated not out of his own will because his own will said, woman, leave me alone. I'm just hungry and thirsty. Just get me some water. Just like he asked. But he moved outside of that. John chapter 6, verse 38. <clears throat> Jesus, uh, John 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In essence, Jesus made his father's will his will. Jesus lined up 
his, fa- his will with his father's will. And so he died to one to accept the other. The ultimate point that we see this take place is obviously in the garden. Right before he's about to be crucified. And he says, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me. But what did he say? Not my will, but your will. That should be our statement on a daily basis. That should be our heart's cry on a daily basis. What's he identifying here? There's a priority. Your will before my will. Your will before my will. To prioritize is just to line up things in order based upon importance. There's a priority that God has. There's plans and there's purposes that he has. And there's a priority that he has for his purposes and his plans, not ours. And so we have to shut down to our will to accept his will. Look at John chapter 12, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. That sounds like some of us, doesn't it? We've been in some stuff. Come on, we've gone through some financial things. We've gone through some sicknesses. We've gone through some stuff at work. We've stayed at jobs that we didn't want to stay at. And we're saying, Father, save me from this hour. But look what Jesus says after that. But for this purpose. I came to this hour. My goodness, for this purpose, I've been sent to this hour. See, Jesus didn't come on his own. You know, we like to think of, you know, he's a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And and God's looking, you know, planning this whole thing out. Okay, we're going to put man on the earth. We're going to extend our kingdom from heaven to earth. And we're going to give them dominion. But they're going to throw that dominion over. They're going to hand that over to the enemy. So I'm going to have to find some way to get myself in flesh in the earth to get that kingdom back. And sometimes we like to think of, you know, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus sitting at this conference table. And Jesus just lifts his hand there and says, I'll go. I'll do it. But no, he came because he was obedient to his father. And God said, listen, Jesus, my word is going to become flesh. And you're going to dwell among them. And they're going to behold your glory. And they will despise your glory. And they'll hang you on a cross. But you're going to make my people righteous once again. And you're going to rise again in three days. And my kingdom is going to be reestablished in the earth through man once again. Amen. And so Jesus came out of obedience, came because that was the Father's purpose. That was the Father's plan. And even when Jesus, who's 100% God and 100% man, came into situations like this one in the garden, when he's saying, save me from this hour, remove this cup from me, let this thing pass, he always reminded himself, but for this purpose. I have come to this hour. Even pressure has a purpose when you understand God's plan. When I know God's plan for my life, I'll see purpose in the pressure. I'll see purpose in the test. I'll see purpose in the thing that comes to squeeze me out. I'll see that thing as setting me up, not tearing me down. 
I see that thing is strengthening me, not weakening me. I see that thing is building me up, getting me ready for the next thing that God has for me. Amen. Amen. I, I, I look at life differently. I respond to life differently. Why? Because it's his priority, not mine. When we lose sight of God's priority, when we lose sight of God's plan and his purpose for our lives, then we don't see things clearly as they are. You know, you you hear me say this all the time. You are anointed for the mess. You're anointed for the mess. Well, if you don't see God's plan clearly, all you see is a mess. All you see is a mess. The stuff that's around you that's all messed up is there for you to change. That's why you're in the mess. My family's messed up. My job is messed up. My coworkers are messed up. My business is messed up. My kids are messed up. My marriage is messed up. It's messed up so you can change it. If it already looked like heaven, you wouldn't need to be there. Amen. And so we've got to see this, that the, 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 the pressure, the things that were placed in, there were times that Jesus knew, I am in this for this hour according to his purpose. I mean, he said that. Luke chapter 4, the first time he ministers, he gets up and he says, I am anointed to look awesome. No, that's not what he said. See, the anointing's not about you. It's about others. The anointing's not about you. The anointing isn't to lift you up. The anointing is to lift him up. He said, I'm anointed to what? Heal the brokenhearted. There's some people with some broken hearts that need to be restored. I'm here to bring sight to the blind. There are some people that can't see clearly right now, but when I come, they're going to see once again. I'm here to uh, bring the lame back walking. What's he saying? There's some messed up people out there, and I'm there to bring life back to them once again. He's talking to a a nation that has gone through over 400 years of being turned over to different nations. Babylonians, Greeks, eventually the Romans. They don't know what it's like to be set free. But Jesus says, shows up and says, I'm anointed to set at liberty those are captive. Do you know what that meant to these Jews at this time? Do you know what that meant to these people that are born into someone else's culture? Jewish people that serve a different God but yet are having to live according to a Roman way of doing things. And you've come to set at liberty those that are captive. That's what Jesus showed up to do. And even though opposition came, even though uh, there were some things, let's look at a list here. God's purpose for Jesus' life dictated every decision he made. God's purpose. God's purpose for his life dictated every choice, every decision, everything he said, everything Uh, Everywhere he went, everything he did was dictated by God's purpose. He didn't let opposition stop him. He didn't let people move him. 
He didn't let money sway him. He didn't let fame move him. There's one point over in John chapter 6, verse 15, that said that Jesus got away from the crowd because he noticed that they were trying to make him their king. John 6, verse 15. It says says that Jesus pulled himself away, went to a place all by himself in the mountains because the people sought to make him their king. Now that tells me something. That tells me that Jesus preached the kingdom so much and talked kingdom talk so much that the people saw him as a political figure. They didn't see him as a preacher. They didn't even see him as the Messiah. They saw him as this man could lead us out of what? The Romans. He said, this is the one that's going to lead us out. of He's going to be our king. But that's not how Jesus was going to be king. Jesus wasn't going to be king just because he was popular. Jesus was going to be king because he went to the cross and God made him king. But not even fame moved him. In Matthew chapter 16, right after Peter gives you know his whole dissertation, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, and then Jesus responds, you know, I'm going to, Build my church on you. You're going to be the, the rock, the revelation, the truth that I'm going to build my church on. Gates of hell won't prevail. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth will be bound and loose in heaven, blah, blah, blah. goes on, and then Peter turns to him as Jesus is beginning to say, all right, this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be beaten. People are going to despise me. I'm going to hang up there naked. They're going to whip me. They're going to make a big mockery of me. And Peter says, may it never be. And Jesus turns around and says, what? Get thee behind me, Satan. Not even Jesus' friends could move him off of his purpose. His purpose, his plans were so in line with his father's that not even his best friends could sway him to take a different route. That's a priority. That's making his plans a priority. See, some of us, we we have people in our lives that are very close to us, that we allow to speak into our lives. And many times they've spoken to our lives and they've done the right thing. They've said they've helped us through things. But it can never move you off of his plan. Because then you've made a priority of your friends over God. If God is your priority, you will always line up what other people say to what he has already said. And if they're not saying what he said, then they're speaking out of line of his purpose. In essence, everything that they say should be a repeat of what the Holy Spirit has already told me. And that goes for prophetic words. That goes for pastors, prophets, evangelists. If they say something that's out of line for the purpose for your life, you throw it out, period. If it's something that is out of line for what God has already spoken to you. You know, I grew up in a day and age where, you know, 
prophet gave you a word, man, you ran with that. They give you a prophetic word, and you're, you're going to go and be a great missionary to Russia. I hate the cold. I have no desire to go around. I'm all right where I'm at. Now, you, you check yourself and say, Holy Spirit, is this it? But you back it up. Their word is not the final say. God's word is the final say. Why? Because he has priority. He's first place. His plans mean more to me. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, all the things that are added to you, Jesus goes on in these verses previous and says, this is what everybody else's priority is. Everybody else has made a priority out of what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? And when you prioritize God's kingdom, you'll find that all of the things that you're seeking for will come find you. It's all about priorities. When you make God's purpose a priority in your life, you will prioritize every other area around his plans. You'll find that all your other decisions will be dictated by your number one priority, his kingdom and his righteousness. There are so many things that we go after in life that if we would just go after the kingdom, we would find the things would come after us. Why? Because he's obligated to provide for the vision he gives you. He's obligated to provide for the vision that he gives you, but not the vision that you give yourself. See, I can't just move anywhere I want. You know, this past weekend I got to be in my hometown, San Antonio, Texas. And that was one point in my life I thought I was going back to Texas. Maybe even San Antonio. When I was in Bible school, they had us do a paper uh, as senior pastors, you know, uh, a class for senior pastors. They had us do a paper on demographics, where would you plan a church, and you just had to make something up. And I chose San Antonio. I thought maybe even at some point. I mean, I love that stuff. I love the city. Scared. The mess out of my wife all week long. It was awesome. On the highway. Cruising. It was great. Loved it. I, I love the city. I love tall buildings. I, I, I love that stuff. And, you know, at one point I thought I would end up there. But God had a different plan. I'll tell you right now, if I would have chose Texas and said, forget this. There's no blessing in that. Doesn't mean I wouldn't have done well. Doesn't mean I wouldn't have made money. Doesn't mean the church wouldn't be successful. But in the end, that's what matters. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And there are a lot of people that are deceiving others because they're successful in the world, but unsuccessful in the kingdom. But in the end, his purpose prevails. In the end, his plan prevails. Many are the plans in a man's heart. You know why there are plans in your heart? 
Because you're created in God's image, and he's a planner. It's within each one of us to plan. It's in each one of us to lay things out and come up with objectives and tasks and assignments. It's within us to do that. But it's also our priority to line them up with his. And ultimately, I can be convinced of this, that I will be blessed in God's will. I will be blessed in God's purpose. And there's no other place in the world that I'd want to be right now. No other place. No other place. You know, I, I saw this verse differently about five years ago. We know the verse over in Psalms says, God will give you the desires of your heart. And for the longest time, we, we thought, if I desire it, God gives it. But someone pointed this out one time. You know, if I desire a, a three-story house, God's going to give it. If I desire a boat, God's going to give it. If I desire, you know, this type of car, God's going to give it. But someone pointed this out. God will give you the desires. God will give you what to desire. You see the difference. So it's not just anything I desire. He will give me the desires, what to desire, that will fall in line with my purpose. God knows how to get stuff to you. That's not the problem. Are you where you need to be for God to bless you? Are you lined up? Are you in his will? Are you in alignment with? This brings me to my last verse, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we've all heard this before. And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We love this verse. We love this verse. All things work together for the good to those who love God. First of all, look at that. To those who love God, not to those who God loves. To those who love God, who reciprocate the action. Not just God loving me. God, things don't work together for me just because he loves me. Things work together because I fall in line and I say, I love you. Now, love is an action, not an emotion. So if I love God, Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's he saying? I've laid out a plan for you. And if you'll follow the plan, that reveals that you love me. Nobody in here, nobody in this room, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a child, wants to have someone tell you that you, they love you, but then not do anything to show you that they love you. Nobody in here. And guess what? God doesn't either. So, all things work together for my good, not because he loves me. There's a lot of people that God loves, but things aren't working out. God loves everybody. But all things work together for the good of those that love 
God and those who are called according to His purpose, not my purpose. I don't call myself according to my purpose. I call, He's called me according to His purpose. So when I make His purpose a priority, things start working out. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined. Look at, look at the planning that God has gone through in these next two verses. Whom he foreknew, means he knew you before. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Let me read this to you in the New Living so it makes it clear. Verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to be like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That means we're in right alignment with him once again. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. God is glorified when we prioritize his plans for our lives. Ultimately, God wants you to walk out his purpose and his plan so you can reveal him in the earth. Glory means a picture of him. That's what glory is. You know, we, we, we... Refer to glory a lot of time as a presence or a feeling. You know, his glory is in this place. But glory is, is to reveal the image of. And when you walk out the plans and the purposes that God has for you, you reveal God in the earth. You are showing people God. The only hope that you have of revealing Jesus Christ to people around you that need Jesus is by walking in his plans and his purpose. It's coming to know who he is. Remember we said this, it was last year I taught a message on knowing God's will. And everybody wants to know God's will. But knowing God's will is not about knowing something. It's about knowing someone. If I can get to know him, then I'll know what he wants for my life. See, we just want the what. We think there's an equation. A plus B equals C. But if there was a simple equation for it, you wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need God in the equation. But God's the most important equation. The closer I can get to my Father, the better I can know his plan for my life. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just know the plan for his life just because he was in heaven with God at one time. He knew the plan for his life because he spent Time by himself with God. Got to know his father. He prayed more than anything else he did. 
He prayed more than he healed. He prayed more than he preached. He prayed more than he ministered. He prayed, was communicating with his father. Why? Because your will, your purpose, your plan. I don't want to do anything according to my plan. I don't want to do anything according to my will. I don't want to have a purpose outside of what you want for me. So I need to get to know my father. I need to get to know my king. I need to get to know the one that's placed me here and why he's placed me here and what he wants me to do and where he wants me to go. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why. All that stuff gets answered when I make a priority for his kingdom. Tonight I want us to commit. I want us to commit to making a dedication to follow his plan and his purpose for our lives. I'm telling you right now, there is no other joy. There's no other joy. There's people that I know that they've gone through some attacks physically in their bodies. There's people that I know that have gone through attacks in their finances. I know people that have gone through attacks in their businesses. I know that people have gone through attacks in their marriages, in their families, in their children. But because they knew his purpose, they understood the pressure. Because they knew his purpose, nothing moved them. Nothing swayed them. Swayed them. Look, the enemy is trying to get you off of God's purpose. As long as you make a priority for God's purpose, the devil can't do anything to you. Sure, there will be opposition. Sure, there will be things come against you. But he can't touch you. Because the blessing is in the purpose. And if you don't allow them to shape you, you remain firm, you remain steadfast to follow his plan and his purpose. You will receive the outcome. You will receive the end that God has laid out for you. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight for your purpose. You're a planner. You are so purposeful. When you created the heavens and the earth every day, you you stepped back and you looked and you said, it is good. It is good. When you created us, you said, it is good. This is my purpose. This is my plan. So, Father, tonight, we commit ourselves, we dedicate ourselves to making a priority of your plan. Your plan is first place. Your purpose is first place. Father, I thank you that you make that clear to us. You said the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. That means we have to obey you in what we know. Many times we get in a position where we want to know more. We want to see more. But Father, if we'll just be obedient in what we do know, we know that the greatness will come out. Father, we thank you. You're such a loving God that would give us such a great plan and such a great purpose. A purpose to succeed. A purpose to excel. A purpose to overcome. And so I thank you tonight as we commit ourselves to your purpose, to your plan, and to your ways. I pray tonight that the blessings overtake us. The blessings overcome us. Because we make a priority to be in your purpose. You said seek first, not second, not third, not last. Seek first the kingdom and all these things would 
be added unto us. We thank you for that tonight. I pray that you reveal yourself to each person in this room as we commit ourselves to your purpose and your plans. We love you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.